Your gloved hand runs along the body of the plane. Excitement fills your body. Looking to the sky, it was empty, bright blue, not a cloud to be seen. It is free up there. It is so exhilarating, so exciting. It's your space, for you to be you. Lady Icarus, as they called you. That was the true you. And the sky, your one true love. This was Lady Mary Heat, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. Sophie Pierce Evans was born November 10, 1896, in Knockaderry, County Limerick, in Ireland. Later in life, she would be known as Lady Mary Heat. Her early life was humble, but was soon shattered. She would become a champion athlete, founder member of the Women's Amateur Athletics Association, and an active campaigner to include women's track and field in the Olympics. She was also smart, attending Dublin's Royal College of Science before the war hit. In 1916, she dropped her studies to join the Women's Auxiliary Air Corps as a dispatch rider and then ambulance driver in France. As an aviator, or aviatrix, as the women pilots were called back then, Sophie was famous for her flying achievements, becoming one of the most famous women in Britain and the US. But by the time of her early death in 1939, she had faded into a nobody. It's only recently that her amazing life and achievements have got the recognition she deserved. When Sophie was an infant, her father Jackie battered Sophie's mother to death. After a huge trial, he was imprisoned in a lunatic asylum for the criminally insane. Sophie went on to live with her grandfather and in various boarding schools, where she was an excellent student and exceptional athlete. While enrolled in Dublin College of Science, Sophie's aunt arranged Sophie's marriage to British Army Captain William Davis Elliot Lynn, who was 20 years older than Sophie. The marriage was disastrous from the get-go, with William being returned to the army life and Sophie wanting in some action, so she signed up as a dispatch rider for the Women's Auxiliary Army Corp. 1919, Sophie was demobilised. Known as demobilisation, it's when the process of standing down a nation's armed forces from combat-ready status it comes from victory or because the crisis has been resolved and military forces are no longer needed. So after this, Sophie went back to Dublin and back to her studies. She would struggle with money to complete her science degree, so she asked for a grant. But it was denied because she was married with a husband to keep her and so didn't need to advance her skills. Sophie didn't let this damper her determination and she succeeded in getting her degree. After the war, Sophie's husband went to British East Africa, where he was awarded a farm under the Soldier Settlement Scheme. Sophie stayed in Dublin to finish her studies. While doing so, she became heavily involved in women's athletics and became a founding member of the Women's Amateur Athletics Association, or WAAA. She was an excellent athlete herself and developed two hand techniques for javelin throwing. She became Britain's first woman champion in this area. She was also extremely good at the high jump and set an unofficial world record in it. 
1922, Sophie arrived in East Africa to be with her husband. Her marriage, though, much like the farm, was in a state that there was no coming back from. She soon left after arriving, claiming her husband hit her repeatedly. Divorce would follow in 1925, and two years after this, her ex-husband was found dead, drowned in the Thames. She would be vice chair of WAAA, and she campaigned strongly to include women athletics at the Olympic Games. The overall view at the time that women athletics was unladylike, and that they should only be allowed to compete in more delicate sports like archery. So in 1925, Sophie flew to Prague to speak at the conference of the Olympic Congress. This would be her first time in an aircraft and from the first step onto the craft, she fell in love with the concept of flying. In the August, she became one of the first members of the London Light Aeroplane Club and by October, she had her first solo flight, obtaining a private pilot's license in the November. Because she was a woman, her license didn't give her the same privileges as men pilots. Despite her abilities and numerous records, ignoring she was the first woman to parachute jump from a plane, landed in the middle of a football pitch while a match was going on. She was allowed to compete in air races after beating her male competitors. But as a woman, she couldn't take passengers and couldn't make a living from her skill. Women were in a male-dominant area in aviation and were seen weaker, especially according to the men, during their monthly period. This would, according to the men, put the passengers' lives at risk. Sophie wasn't one to be put off by obstacles. She enlisted help to get a full license from some powerful people, like MP Lady Astor. She could agree to be tested physically at any time to assess her flying abilities. This would dismantle the main point, women being weaker. Many men actually thought the system was unfair and supported Sophie's claim. In 1926, her, her fight paid off. She became the first woman in Britain and Ireland to hold a commercial pilot's license. Now she could make a living from flying, but she needed her own aircraft. So, she set off in search for her husband with the means to finance her flying. She made a list of not only the wealthiest bachelors in the British Empire, but also the oldest, eventually setting her sights on Sir James Heath, who was 40 years older than her. She would be called a gold digger, but the couple married in October 1927. Sir James bought her an Avro Avian airplane had it boxed and shipped to South Africa where they were having their honeymoon. And this is when Sophie became known as Lady Mary Heath. She then started to promote aviation to local flying clubs. Lady Mary was a huge daredevil and decided to fly the tiny avian back to London solo, a flight no one had made yet. January 1928, she flew to Cape Town but it wasn't until three weeks later that the proper flight happened. After many technical adjustments and an extra fuel tank, she was ready. Fully equipped, Mary flew out of Johannesburg, heading for London. Heat stroke hit first over Zimbabwe, forcing her to crash land. She recovered in a nursing home from heat stroke and was unharmed in the forced landing, 
although many newspapers falsely reported that she was killed. The plane was also undamaged, and when well enough, Mary got out of the bed and flew off again. Next issue was at the Rift Valley, west of Nebrabe. Her little avian had difficulty getting to 9,000 feet to clear the amazing natural feature. She had to throw unnecessary weight out from the cockpit. Books, spare shoes, weirdly a tennis racket, all thrown out to have her just scrape over the ridge. But the long hours in an open cockpit began taking its toll, forcing Mary to unofficially land many times. In Sudan, officials insisted she should be escorted, all because they were concerned a woman flying by herself. Just another example of sexist attitudes that were at the times. She was, though at times in her journey, treated like royalty, with entertainment, parties, tennis, even safari trips. But not all welcomed her, with local tribesmen shooting at her as she crossed Libya. This had her again forced land when she went safe to do so, to repair bullet holes in her fuselage. She was very concerned about the Mediterranean cross and having to land in open water, so she inflated bicycle inner tubes and had them around her neck before she took off. Luckily she didn't need them, which is a good thing because once she gained altitude, the tubes burst, so they were a bit pointless. Finally, May 17, 1928, in Croydon Aerodrome, London's main airport back then, Mary's small Avro avian biplane came to a bumpy stop. While being taxied to the arrival field, crowds flocked to the aircraft. Mary had flown 10,000 miles, becoming the first person to make such a flight. Spectators were used to seeing the pilot emerge from the aircraft wearing oil splattered overalls and goggles. But Mary, she looked like a fashion queen, with heels, stockings, pleated skirt, fur coat, pearls and a hat. That very moment she instantly became the most famous aviator in the world. Her husband would be waiting, but quickly the pair were separated, not for a day, but for weeks. Soon though the cover became estranged, as Mary attended party after party, giving lecture after lecture all over the UK. This then led straight into a tour of the US to promote British-made circus engines. Thousands went to her lectures at many air clubs all over the US. Soon she had to have a second home in New York. Her home in England was in Mayfair where she entertained many including Lady Astor. Just months later she was back competing in air races all over the US. Rewards and danger were high, with main, many losing their lives. 1929, the national air races in Cleveland, Mary was in the middle of competing when she clipped the chimney as she tried to dodge a pylon. She crashed into the roof of the factory, falling to the floor below, taking the chimney down on top of her. The plane lay destroyed with fears Mary was dead. She was pulled from the wreckage unconscious. For weeks she lay in a hospital bed in a coma and a metal plate placed in her skull, which was fractured in the crash. Slowly she recovered and left hospital. As she did, she was served divorce papers. Her husband, Sir James Heath, had enough and made it very clear and public 
he was not paying any more of Mary's insane bills. One to note was fashion house dressmakers. He was done being her personal bank, funding a wife who he never saw and basically being treated as a chuck old or husband of an adulterous wife. He wasn't accusing an affair with a man, but an affair with fame. Although you can understand Sir James' reasons, it had to have crossed his mind a young woman attracted to him had to be for money and title. But anyway, a month after her amazing achievement as South Africa flight, a new avatrix was being pushed to the public attention, Amelia Earhart. George Putnam, a controversial figure who marketed Charles Lindbergh, was also Amelia's manager and later her husband. After Putnam hid Lindbergh in order to have him write a book about his New York to Paris flight, making Putnam millions, he realised the next big thing would be a woman flying the Atlantic. Putnam arranged for the American ambassador's wife, Amy Guest, to be a passenger on a flight flown by another but would be a flight that Putnam could announce Amy as the first woman to fly the Atlantic. But Amy's husband blocked the idea and then, by pure chance, Putnam came across Amelia Earhart. She was very similar to Lindbergh and Putnam thought she was the best to now take on the Atlantic challenge. Amelia was said to be more easygoing than Lady Heat, far nicer, and is said to have admired Lady Heat and her achievements. Lady Heath was more competitive to the new It Girl, Amelia. She invited Amelia to fly her record-breaking avian, which impressed Amelia so much she bought the plane from Lady Heath, boxing it up and shipping it back to the US. The women could have been great friends, but Putnam's publicity machine was in full swing, and a month after Lady Heath's flight, Amelia was in a plane with a pilot and navigator becoming the first woman to fly the Atlantic. Putnam's publicity machine went into overdrive, pumping Amelia to the front of America's public as the girl to fly the Atlantic. He was cold and ruthless and made sure Amelia was the female face of American aviation, overshadowing Lady Mary Heath. Putnam made it appear like a bitter rivalry was happening between the women. He went out of his way to make sure Amelia completely eclipsed Lady Heat. Putnam had a lot of power and was able to have show organisers exclude Lady Heat, having Amelia instead. This led to complete humiliation to Lady Heat when she was once turned up to an event in the US, thinking she had a place in the flight for Cuba, only to have Amelia be placed in the cockpit. Amelia was independent, likeable, and seemed to be fair-minded, but appeared to bow to Putnam's cynical commercial demands. Putnam proposed to Amelia six times before they finally married, February 1931. So back to Mary. From the crash, she recovered enough to be discharged, but had many months of hospital and clinical appointments. Her health would never fully be the same again. She was physically unable to fly during this time, so instead she gave lectures and talks across the US. Despite Putnam's efforts to mark her, 
she still remained popular thanks in part to her title and the Irish background. From the accident she had sight damage, so she couldn't have a commercial license. She did get her personal pilot license back and began flying again in 1931. It was at this time she met her third husband, Jack Williams, a small man of Jamaican origins who lived in Kentucky, and he was a jockey. She kept the title Lady Mary Heat as she felt it would open more to opportunity than being Mrs. Williams. In 1932, Lady Heat returned to Dublin with her new husband. This marriage, though, was seen as the most unforgivable. She was shunned by races of the time and was seen as a pariah. The commercial and adverts all dried up. Mary, though, was happy in marriage and in life. In 1934, she took her over private aviation services at Kildunan Aerodrome and set up her own company, Dublin Air Ferries Limited. She set up the Irish Junior Aviation Club, but the aviation world began to change. Governments set up state airlines offering commercial routes all over the world. The once pioneering Maverick days were gone. No longer could Mary make money flying, not as a pilot and not as a business manager. So with the failings, Mary turned to the bottle and drank a lot, soon becoming an alcoholic. Her marriage was not third time lucky and collapsed. Drinking was now her only friend. Multiple times she was in court for drunk and disorderly, so much they weren't reported on. Her once front page life, now sad readings in small print. She was an embarrassment, former darling of society, now abandoned. She'd go on binges for months, being found passed out in the streets or gutters, luckily being found by good Samaritans before a worse fate happened. May 1939, Lady Mary Heat fell from a tram car in London. She lost consciousness and was taken to St. Leonard's Hospital. She would never regain consciousness, dying from head injuries at just 42 years old. A pathologist's report found no alcohol in her system and that the, fo the fall probably came from an old blood clot from the crash which was found in her brain. Mary outlived Amelia Earhart, who disappeared during a flight over the Pacific. Amy Johnson, another remarkable avatrist, who in 1930 became the first woman to fly solo from England to Australia. She died two years after Mary when her aircraft crashed into the Thames estuary. Both Amelia and Amy are justly remembered and celebrated today, but Lady Mary Heat seems to be forgotten. Mary's flying achievements and efforts helping to get a fairer and greater role for women athletics should have this brave and determined woman remembered today. A small plaque outside her childhood home is all that marks Lady Mary Heat. No public recognition in Ireland or Britain. In 1929, she did write a book entitled Women and Flying. It was hidden away. However, journalist Lindy Naughty, Naughton, is hoping to release it again as a biography 
and maybe this will get a wider audience, giving her the recognition she deserves. And that is the story of Lady Mary Heath. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for the Great Terror or the Great Purge. It was a brutal political campaign led by Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin. The aim to eliminate dissenting members of the Communist Party and anyone considered a threat. It's believed 750,000 people were executed during the Great Terror from 1936 until 1938. More than a million sent to the Gulags, a forced labour camp. It was a horrific and bloody operation, causing fear and terror all over the USSR and impacted the country for years. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.